0: words, our tongue. So if you will, uh, open your Bibles uh, and turn to Proverbs chapter 4, Proverbs 4, and we want to read just a few verses uh, and, the Lord willing, conclude our study, the book of Proverbs. So with that, if you will, stand with me out of reverence for God's holy word. Solomon writes on the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. My son, be attentive to my words, incline your ear to my sayings. Let them not escape from your sight. Keep them within your heart. They are life to those who find them, healing to all their flesh. Keep your heart with all vigilance, for from it flow the springs of life. Put away from you crooked speech and put devious talk far from you. Let your eyes look directly forward. Your gaze be straight before you. Ponder the path of your feet. Then all your ways to be sure. Do not swerve to the right or to the left. Turn your foot away from evil. Let's go, Lord, in prayer. Our Father asks as always, every time we gather, the same thing, that you would open our hearts, our minds, our eyes, our ears, our mouth, our hands, our feet, that we would go in obedience to Christ, that your word would transform us. You point us to your Son, transformed by the gospel, for your kingdom and glory. And so we ask again this morning. May I decrease so that you can increase. In the name of your son, we pray. Amen. A few weeks ago, I shared with you some of my favorite uh, foolish criminals. If you don't mind, I'd like to share just one more with you. This comes from a young lady out of Waco, Nebraska, who robbed a bank stealing $6,000. Police arrived on the scene, and they, they had enough of a description of her car and of her person to have a pretty good idea of who she was and how to catch her. But come to find out, they didn't need any of that information. This robber had immediately gone on YouTube, flashing the money on screen, bragging about her criminal deed. Quote, I just stole a car and robbed a bank. Now I'm rich. I can pay off my college financial aid, and tomorrow I'm going on a shopping spree. She later held up a sign which said, quote, I told my mom today was the best day of my life. She thinks I met a new boy. As you can imagine, she uh, met other men who showed up at her house with handcuffs and sent her away in a paddy wagon. How often do you get to use the word paddy wagon in a sermon? Just, Just work with me, people. Well, I think it's fair to say, and surely years of experience have demonstrated, that our words can either do good or cause harm. Here is a fool who who, who didn't seem to think that by sharing all the details of her crime might come back to haunt her. She is a fool. But how many of us similarly use our words in ways that harm others, harm ourselves, or come back and do damage? Each week we've looked at Proverbs. This subject has come up multiple times. Words matter. The old poem that sticks and stones may break my bones, but words will never hurt me was perhaps the most foolish proverb ever believed by any American in the history of America. And that's saying something. For most, the wounds of sticks and stones heal much faster and seem to cut far less than the words that may be thrown at us. What is it that we just saw here in chapter 4, verse 24? Rid yourself of of a deceitful mouth and keep devious speech far from you. In fact, in its context, which we looked at last week in Proverbs 4, where they'll talk with, with wisdom from him, here you have a father giving words of wisdom that are to lift him up. They are to encourage him. They are to bless him. He says part of that blessing is that you wisely use your tongue. It is the wicked and the fool who abuse words. Proverbs 6, verse 12, a worthless person, a wicked man, is one who walks with a perverse mouth. With his mouth, he says in chapter 11, the godless person destroys his neighbor, but through knowledge, the righteous will be rescued. What we see then is that words have multiple functions, particularly in how they are abused. They can seduce and they can flatter, for example. In chapter 5, he, he warns his sons that the lips of an adulteress drip honey, and her speech is smoother than oil. Likewise, in chapter 29, he warns that the man who flatters his neighbor is spreading a net for his steps. Words also stir strife. Ever been to a Baptist business meeting, for example? In chapter 16, he, he says a worthless person digs up evil while his words are like the scorching fire. A perverse person spreads strife and a slander separates close friends. We can look at chapter 18. He'll say something similar. A fool's lips bring strife. His mouth invites beatings. A fool's mouth is, is his ruin. His lips are the snare of his soul. Now, one of the easiest ways I've found to stir strife is to spread gossip. Proverbs warns, and again, all of these, I could give you three or four more examples, but here's just one of gossip. Again, I could give you more. In Proverbs 26, For a lack of wood, the fire goes out, and where there is no gossiper, quarreling quiets down. If only I could think of an application for a local Baptist church. Can't you? Right? Where there is gossip, if gossip doesn't work, or if gossip isn't your jam, slander will stir strife. Proverbs eleven thirteen. One who goes about as a slanderer reveals secrets, but one who is trustworthy conceals the matter. I had a good buddy of mine in high school. Still keep up with him. A really good guy, good Christian guy, and uh, he he used to we used to always joke. One time he was in an argument with someone. He didn't have a good comeback, so this is what he came up with. Oh, yeah? Oh, oh yeah? Well, you're, you're dumb, right? And for the rest of his life, we remind him of that, right? That's the best he had. We've got to work with him on that. When you really think about it, today's arguments online and otherwise haven't really improved much, have they? It's amazing we have taken harsh words with a clear meaning, and we've, we've attached it to a large group of people thinking somehow that will stir peace and unity. The left does it, the right does it. Everyone is doing it. And our arguments are not of, 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 of real thought. It is slander, it is accusation, it has ruined the reputation of others. Contrast all of this with the wise man. In Proverbs 10, 11, it says, the mouth of the righteous is a fountain of life. The mouth of the wicked conceals violence. The lips of the righteous, he later adds, feeds many fools die for a lack of understanding. One more in this regard. Chapter 12. Anxiety in a person's heart weighs it down, but a good word makes it glad. You see? You see? You see? One will harm, the other will bless. One will build, the other will destroy. I reminded of a story of a husband and a wife who were out driving down the road and the husband pointed out a mule and he said, Honey, look, one of your relatives She said, you're right, honey, by marriage. (laughs) So what are some basic points of application we get from Proverbs regarding the use of our tongue? A couple of things to note here. First of all, the tongue is a spiritual issue. The tongue is a spiritual issue. That is to say, one's words is a great barometer of one's hearts. This is something that once you get it, you, 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 will, you, you will function well and understand what is really going on in people's hearts. It's not a secret. People will reveal verbally their hearts. If you don't believe me, let's talk to Jesus. Jesus, on two occasions, here's one of them, Luke 6. The good person out of the good treasure of his heart brings forth what is good. The evil person out of the evil treasure brings forth what is evil. For his mouth speaks from that which fills his heart. It is out of the abundance of the heart, he says in Matthew. The mouth speaks. When we speak of the use of our words, this isn't law. This is gospel. Because without a transformed heart, there will not be a reformed tongue. Proverbs is consistent with this. It suggests that angry words come from angry people. Bitter complaints come from a heart of bitterness. Prideful boasting comes from the arrogant. Violent rhetoric comes from hate. Seductive, manipulative words comes from the wicked. And this is why we must learn, not just as Americans, but particularly as Christians, that regulation cannot transform this. This is why the vulgarity of our nation's discourse should concern us. It's not about being prudish, but understanding that a vulgar culture will not demonstrate vul- will demonstrate vulgarity in its art, in its vocabulary, and what it tolerates. We can ban everything we want, but unless the heart is reformed, our words will never be transformed. Again, this is what Proverbs tells us. Proverbs fifteen seven: The lips of the wise spread knowledge, but the heart of fools are not so. Notice the connection between the heart and the lips. Proverbs 10, 20, The tongue of the righteous is like choice silver. The heart of the wicked is worth little. Chapter 15, The mind of the intelligent seeks knowledge, but the mouth of fools feeds on foolishness. Furthermore, chapter 16, the heart of the wise instructs his mouth and adds persuasiveness to his lips. One more here, 26, verse 23, like an earthenware vessel overlaid with silver impurities are burning lips and a wicked heart. There can be no mistake that one's spiritual state is often revealed in one's tongue. So ask yourself, do your words reflect gospel love and Christ-like character? Well, preacher, you, know, you don't understand what they said to me and my family. Well, preacher, you, these lefties, these heretics, these, these races, these righties, whatever term or side you don't like, they need to know I ain't going to put up with it no more. Let me ask you again. Do your words reflect gospel love and Christ-like character? The context is not subject to debate. Do our words reflect gospel love, Christ-like character, and the salvation of our souls? Secondly, Proverbs encourages us to choose our words carefully. Choose our words carefully. This should be common sense, shouldn't it? If our words could harm or they could bless, we should choose what words we use. Proverbs chapter 10 verse 19 says, when there are many words, wrongdoing is unavoidable, right? But one who restrains his lips is wise. One who guards his mouth protects his life. One who opens wide his lips comes to ruin. Chapter 15, he adds, the heart of the righteous ponders how to answer. But the mouth of the wicked pours out evil things. Chapter 17, he he adds, One who withholds his words has knowledge. One who has a cool spirit is a person of understanding. Even a fool, when he keeps silence, is considered wise. When he closes his lips, he is considered prudent. You thought that redneck saying was made up by some southerner. It came straight from the Bible. Chapter 21, one who guards his mouth and his tongue Guards his soul from trouble. Reminds me of a couple who had been married for 60 long years. When they got married and they seemed to to, to have a great marriage and they shared everything together. When they got married, the wife said, Honey, I will share everything in this life with you except one thing. I have a shoebox in the closet. You are not to open it, look into it, or ever ask about it. And the husband respected that one small request. The years went on and they raised children. They had a great marriage. And after 60 years, she was quite sick and in the hospital. And as the husband was going through her closet to get some stuff for her in the hospital, he came across that shoebox. He always wanted what was in the shoebox. He just didn't know what was in it. But he thought after 60 years, surely I've earned the credit, earned the right just to ask what's in the shoebox. So he goes to the hospital to see his beautiful bride. and He asks, Honey, I just want to know what's, what's in the shoebox. Well, she told him to go look, and he found inside of it two crocheted dolls and $95,000. He asked, What is the meaning of all this? He says, Well, she said, Well, when, I, when we were getting married, I asked my mother, What is some simple advice you'd give me about marriage? Mom told me that, look, we would fight and we would have arguments and all that sort of stuff. But whenever I just couldn't take it anymore, whenever I felt like we couldn't reconcile, mom told me to crochet a doll. And the husband thought, wow, 60 years of marriage, two crochet doll, that's a pretty good record. But what about that $95,000? She said, well, every time I crocheted a doll, I'd sell it for five dollars and that's the money that's left I think there's about to be a third crochet doll but let me encourage you that before you write that email before you send that text before you post that comment before you, you make that unhinged call how about not how about not I shared the story before of someone I love who uh, received an email that was quite frustrating. And I've done this myself too, that they had already started typing out that email. Just ready, I'm just done with this person. I'm going to let them have it. Give them the what foe, right? And I encouraged them, why don't you just sleep on it? If you wake up in the morning feel the same way, I won't stop you. You just go right ahead. You know what happened, right? The email was never sent. How come that when it comes to our online rhetoric, such wisdom seems like it doesn't need to apply? How come when it means that we're using a phone and there's distance, we're not seeing each other face to face, sometimes that wisdom doesn't apply. But I'm unaware of a proverb that says, Choose your words wisely unless it's online under an anonymous name. I'm unaware of that proverb. Are you? So use wisdom in choosing your words. Thirdly, gentleness is a fruit of the Spirit. You know what is not a fruit of the Spirit? Harshness. There is a trend among not, liberals and conservatives, but can I pick on conservatives here? Because I see it a little more, maybe because it's been there a little longer, liberals, I don't know. That meekness is viewed as weakness. Gentleness is a type of softness. And there is this belief that unless you're angry like me, Unless you're tired and fed up like me. Unless you're hostile, ready to fight like me. You're just not, you just don't see what's really going on. You're, you're one of those sheeple, don't you see? You're, you're, you're impure. You're not angry enough. You don't care enough. You, you notice this sort of rhetoric. Now I agree there is a time for righteous anger. But righteous anger at no point in the Bible is unhinged anger. And we seem to confuse righteous anger with just anger. It seems to me we only define righteous anger as things I'm angry about. It'd be nice if we were angry about the things that God was always angry about. Like your unhinged anger, right? I think God approves of that. Oh, but I'm the exception. No, you ain't. You're a fool. You're a fool. Throughout scripture, we are told that gentleness and meekness are fruits of the Christian walk. Jesus tells us that blessed are the meek. They will inherit the kingdom of God. Proverbs is consistent with this. Proverbs 15, one, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but a hard word stirs up anger. Look, if you've been alive and sentient for 15, 20 minutes, you know this is true, right? If someone is unhinged, don't respond by being louder and more unhinged. Then it becomes a, a, a competition. See, so you could be the angriest. Chapter 25, verse 15. Through patience, a ruler may be persuaded. A gentle tongue breaks bone. Oh, look at there. We think it's my anger. We think it's the pounding of the chest. We think it's typing in all caps. will do it. No, the gentle will win in the, in the long run. You would do better to pray for whatever enrages you than screaming and demeaning others or acting like an unhinged fool. Call me liberal if you want, but I'm pretty sure that's what the Bible tells us to do. After all, Jesus himself has every reason to become unhinged while he's on the cross. But he extends grace, mercy, forgiveness, and prayer. If only I could think of a good application. Fourthly, Our word should bless instead of curse. Our word should bless. Let me give you just four Proverbs here. Chapter 15, I got a few for you. A soothing tongue is a tree of life, but perversion in it crushes the spirits. The lips of the wise spread knowledge, but the heart of fools is not so. Notice the blessing here. A tree of life, knowledge. How about joy in, in verse 23? A person has joy in an apt answer. How delightful is a timely word. And finally, pleasant words are a honeycomb, sweet to the soul and healing to the bone. Isn't that interesting? Gentleness will break a bone. It'll heal a bone too. Finally, Proverbs tells us we should promote truth and never lies. Had to cut a lot out here. I confess... To you a few weeks ago that I love a good conspiracy, fun conspiracies, right? Like, like I really like the, the ones that are really way out there that require a lot of creativity. And you know the people who came up with it need a second job because no one should have this much time in their hands. You know, like, like the one I gave, I believe, was Elvis, right? That Elvis didn't really die. He's hanging out with Tupac down in Cuba, right? That's just fun, right? Perhaps the one is even better is in the late 1960s, Paul McCartney of the Beatles died. He was replaced by an actor. And that guy's been pretending to be Paul McCartney ever since. You ever hear this? Oh, it's fun. It is fun, right? And I can almost convince you it's true while laughing in the back of my mind, right? It, it's, it's so much fun. I love a good conspiracy. And then there's the classics, right? You know, uh, who, who did what and, and, and all that sort of stuff. But one of the things I've noticed is that now those used to be fun little internet tropes things, right? Some, some, some late night on the History Channel uh, documentary, right? The weird stuff. Now they're everywhere, In fact, a conspiracy seems to be any truth claim that doesn't uh, match my truth. Heard of the joke the other day? It said, three conspiracy theorists walk into a bar. Coincidence? That's funny right there. I'm sorry. Let me just enjoy that for a minute. I mean, that's funny right there. What postmodernism has done is, is it promised us peace through uh, a relative, relativism, right? Hey, man, you just do your thing. Man, I'll just do my thing. We'll all get together, light a candle, sing the Coca-Cola theme song, watch old reruns of Oprah, and man, we'd just, we just be, be awesome, dude, right? That was postmodernism. Mine is sounding like they came from Southern California. But what has happened is, is saying that there was no truth as postmodern claim has now merged to be that everything has become true. If it's your truth, it must be true. And as a result, both the left and the right and everyone in between, they, they, they see truth only in their own echo chamber. So we push conspiracies. We push lies. Why? Because we are at war with the other side. I wear the white hat. They wear the black hat. And what I need to do is to tell those sheep, well, they need to get their eyes open. We need to become whoa, whatever term the left or right might might use, but here comes the Christian who worships the one who claims to be the way, the truth, and the life. We must be careful in engaging in such rhetoric. Proverbs chapter 8, verse 6 and 9 says, Listen, for I will speak noble things. The opening of my lips will reveal right things, for my mouth will proclaim truth. Wickedness is an abomination to my lips. All the words of my mouth are in righteousness. There is nothing crooked or perverted in them. They are all straightforward to him who understands and right to those who find knowledge. Chapter 12, he adds, Truthful lips will endure forever, but a lying tongue is only for a moment. Later, he he adds in the same chapter, lying lips are an abomination to the Lord, but those who act faithfully are his delight. One more, a lying tongue hates its victims and a flattering mouth works ruin. We are to be a people of truth. Tell me, do you spend more time with your online conspiracies and trying to get people to believe them? And do you spend more time with the truth that Christ was risen from the dead and he's the only hope? Which one? This is a spiritual issue that our lips will reveal our hearts. What do we really worship? What do we really value? Who is wise and who is the fool among us? A lot of us has been hurt by words. A lot of us are guilty of hurting with our words. But then there is Christ who offers us a better and more wise way. Perhaps my favorite story among the presidents comes from who is my favorite president. You don't have to like him. His name was President Calvin Coolidge. He served in 1920. Silent Cow was his nickname. Story goes that one day at a, at a, uh, a presidential dinner, a woman sat right next to the president. Said, Mr. President, I made a bet with someone that I could get you to say more than three words by the end of the dinner. Throughout the whole time, the President of the United States didn't say a single word. She she, she did her best. Everyone wanted the President's attention. He didn't say a single word. When it came time for the President of the United States to leave, he simply stood up, looked the woman in the eyes, and said, you lose. I love that story. How much better would the world be with more silent cows. How much better would our churches be if when we spoke, it was more in worship and prayer than animosity, bitterness, or anger? How much better would our homes be if our words reflected encouragement, blessing, (laughs) honor, and love rather than drama and disrespect? How much better would things be? Let's respond in repentance. Let's pray, Father. As you would be so kind to so lead us to wisdom, Scripture is clear on this, and I suspect there is nothing new that we have heard today. There's nothing new in Proverbs that we haven't read anywhere else in the Bible. We should be wise with our fools and not wise with our words, and not be fools with, with, with our tongue. And yet. So often, we will wound, we will cut, we will bite, we will betray. Why? Because our hearts aren't in the right place. So what I ask that beginning in the church, reform our hearts, transform our souls in an age of high rhetoric Great division. Here comes those who follow Christ who offer a better way. Some of us will be tempted with this before we even leave this sanctuary. Some of us will be tempted with this before we leave the restaurants. Some of us will be tempted with this the minute we get in the car. May we choose the way of godly wisdom and not the other. Convict us in this time of invitation, we pray. Amen. Amen.